It's a new day and opportunity is in the air. This is Philip with Soul Insights and you are tuned in to Good Morning Market, where everyday businesses are empowered to lead their market with the latest in market news, insights, and strategies. We are headed into the end of the summer. We're getting into football season, ramping up for Q4, that final push to the finish of 2022. For better or for worse, I know myself, I'm feeling the pressure wanting to have a a fast finish and a big finish to what has been an eventful year. Thank you all for tuning in to Good Morning Market and making this program a part of your routine. Um, once again, want to hear from you all and get more engagement back and forth uh, with each other through some comments and questions, getting to address those in the podcast, the beginning section. You can send in your questions by commenting on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. You can email me, Philip with two L's at Solo Insights. And we actually had some questions come in this past week uh, to address on the podcast before we get into our interview with Jared of the Savannah Bananas. Really excited about that. But had some questions come in and want to address a couple of those. And that shout out specifically to Liz of Southern Marketing Team, that's Liz Saxton, for sending in some food for thought for us to start our, our week off with. So a couple of different questions that came in. One is, uh, you know, raising prices because of inflation. Should I raise them? I, I would say, you know, th- it's a complicated question. Uh, I would say, well, first of all, I've done a couple episodes on this topic recently. I actually want to do an episode where we specifically get into pricing strategies. But obviously, a lot of businesses are raising prices because of inflation. And understandably so. The producer prices are going way, way up. The short answer to the question of should I be raising prices because of inflation is maybe. I would just make sure that before you do it, don't just do it reflexively. There's a lot of levers that you can pull when it comes to dealing with inflation. Okay, Part of it could be trying to uh, tighten your belt in-house in terms of your OPEX and CAPEX, looking for cost savings bundles, streamlining your costs when it comes to being able to manage that. Another one would be uh, re-pivoting. Your, your orientation towards higher profit uh, clientele toward the margins. There's just more margin with which to play in the first place when it comes to absorbing the cost of inflation. Um, I think that a lot of businesses are going to raise prices, are raising prices. Many of them should raise pli- prices, but I would say that um, don't find yourself in, in, in giving uh, less for more. You always want to be giving more for less. And customers will understand if you have to raise prices, but if you're dropping value, if you're dropping customer service, and it seems like you know every time tough things get tougher, you just reflexively raise prices, they're going to take note of that, and they're going to go work with a different business that knows how to be more creative and more efficient in order to protect customers against those rising prices. Another question that came in from uh, the audience was, what key points should be measured within the business and how often? Once again, that, that varies from business to business. I would say I always go back to these two, um, and really there's a third one. I think that they're arguably the three most important within any business is um, understanding on a per customer basis how much money 
how much value do you earn off of the relationship, the entire length of relationship with the customer, customer lifetime value. Another one that I think is, is really important, especially if you have a marketing program and you're using marketing and advertising to acquire new customers, um, understanding what your customer acquisition cost is. And then the third one is customer satisfaction. Okay, so if you understand... Uh, how much money you make off on a per customer basis over the lifetime relationship, you know how much you paid to get that customer and effort, dollars, sales, resources, whatever. And then you also understand um, what uh, your customer satisfaction rate is. So you understand how happy your customers are with you at any given time. That gives you a lot of great data in, in terms of core data to be measuring the success of your business. The rest of it really varies and it should be led by an annual marketing plan that you put together. So you'll have different rhythms and different inputs. You wanna see what kind of outputs you should be getting or knowing how to track the performance of the different inputs that you do on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, and an annual basis. You know, all that stuff varies depending on what your go-to-market strategy is and what you're doing when it comes to business development. I'm really speaking in terms of business development. Obviously, there are all kinds of metrics that a business should be tracking. I'm thinking in terms of marketing and sales and business development. And in terms of the how often, um, you know, how often should you be tracking them? It, it, it depends on how frequently things develop and change for your business. I would say that you should be, you know depending on how big your organization is, I would say for most everyday businesses, checking things on a monthly basis and then really reflecting and then making adjustments, projecting to the next quarter is a good frequency. So once again, checking every month and taking account of what's going on. If you see something really big, you need to make an adjustment. And then once a quarter, you really kind of look at the quarter in totality this past 90 days and say, okay, how did that quarter go? What's working, what's not? And you look to make tweaks. And then maybe, you know, um, that's that. if you're doing that, then when it gets time to annual planning, you can really know what needs to change and what doesn't need to change for, uh, you know, tracking performance and what part of your strategy or tactics, rhythms need to be changing and what's doing great. And then the final question I wanted to address on the uh, Good Morning Market audience questions was, do sales discounts work for all industries? If so, how often? I would say that uh, sales promotions a strategy to attract uh, and get more conversions and more purchase volume through offering a discount. Does that work for all industries? You know, I think it works for a lot of industries that we think of, and obviously we see them used all the time. Um, I think that what you'll see, in the, even as you listen to the episode um, with Savannah Bananas, is, you know, that's not the best strategy for everybody. I think that. Um, it, there's a lot that goes into it. So an easy example is like retail. So if something's been sitting on the shelf for a long time and you feel like, hey, I need to move this product, this product costs me more money the long term, it's the long uh, longer time it sits on the shelf, then yeah, you might want to use price as a lever to try to move that product to make way for new product. Depending on the industry, you know that that makes more sense than others because once again, in the case of retail, for example, the longer that um, product sits on the shelf, the more money it costs you. It's the same thing with groceries. You'll see special discounts as the expiration date draws nearer because they need to move that off the shelf before they completely have to burn it and just take the L. Um, for other industries, using sales discounts does that work? Yes. 
but you need to do it strategically and understand it within the larger pricing con uh, context on your marketing matrix. So, you know, in terms of the how often, it really, you know, I think it really gets tricky when it comes to service businesses. I think in general with service businesses that um, it, it's best just, just to have a good fair price and stick to your guns and not try to win through discounting. The, P, the race to the bottom, which is what a lot of a lot of this ends up becoming, um, no one really wins, you know, at least not the business. So I would I would be wary of that. But once again, I want to do a full on episode before the end of the year just on pricing strategy, and I would like to address um, those kind of questions. So thank you for those who sent in the questions. Uh, I want to do that on a regular basis, or at least test to see how it goes out, see what y'all think. If you even like doing that as part of the podcast rhythm, but uh, thank you for listening to the pod. We loved uh, if you left a ratings for the pod. That really helps the podcast show up. It's hard for people to find podcasts, so when they see ones that have more reviews and more ratings, that's going to give them um, more motivation to give one episode a listen. And of course, share it with other business leaders that you think would enjoy a Good Morning Market. With that being said. We have a really cool episode for y'all. Um, for those of y'all who are from the Coastal Empire, you know that there's this wacky baseball team uh, that plays in Grayson Stadium called the Savannah Bananas. We've had them for, you know, uh, over five years now. And if you're watching national TV um, from anywhere across the nation on ESPN2 about a week or so ago, you know, we had a live game of the Savannah Bananas playing. Um, you, if you got ESPN plus, if you've heard about it, there's this new, uh, special on called banana land. Uh, there's this announcement that just came out for those who follow the Savannah bananas about them playing banana ball exclusively moving forward, which is a very, um, exciting, controversial, big publicity announcement from the Savannah bananas right on the heels of all their ESPN exposure, moving to banana ball exclusively. And that is what's going on with an organization that is a lightning rod, an organization that is a trendsetter, an organization that is unorthodox and knows how to be fans first. Not only that, this organization knows how to take people from just transactional customers and turn them into outright marketing uh, marketers. I mean, the Savannah Bananas fans are basically a part of the marketing team for the Savannah Bananas. And that's something that we as business leaders need to learn from. So it's an honor and, and I'm, I'm excited to bring on Jared uh, Orton from the Savannah Bananas. He's the president. So I'm looking forward to uh, having that discussion with him and basically trying to understand how they do it. What's the what's the 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 the, the method behind the madness? So we're going to get into that. Really excited, but first, let's talk about what happened in the economy over this past week with the market roundup. So first, coming from market roundup, uh, courtesy of the Wall Street Journal headline: Powell says Fed must show resolve in fighting inflation. Out of Jackson Hole, Wyoming, the article says the Federal Reserve must continue raising interest rates and hold them at a higher level until it is confident inflation is under control, even if unemployment rises, Chairman Jerome Powell said at a central bank retreat. Mr. Powell's widely anticipated speech Friday at the Jackson Hole Symposium of Central Bankers and Academics pushed back against recent expectations by some investors that the Fed might quickly retreat from restraining growth next year. Quote, we will keep at it until we are confident the job is done, end quote, he said. 
While rate increases would bring down inflation, Mr. Powell said, quote, they will also bring some pain to households and businesses, end quote. He added, there are though these are the unfortunate costs of reducing inflation, but a failure to restore price stability would mean far greater pain. And that's the end of that article. Now let's go to something more local regional coming from Savannah CEO headline. Savannah sees mate drop in July unemployment rate. Georgia Labor Commissioner Mark Butler said Thursday that Savannah recorded an unemployment rate of 2.7% in January, down four-tenths of a percentage over the month. A year ago, the rate was 4%. This summer, we've seen unemployment rates drop while job numbers have climbed, said Commissioner Mark Butler. As employers have worked to fill positions with the most qualified people, job seekers have taken advantage of the wide range of employment opportunities with more benefits and flexibility than ever before. And that is your Market Roundup. All right, people, I'm excited about this one. You got to talk to Jesse Cole if you were here when Good Morning Market first launched. You may know this guy and his team, the Savannah Bananas, from the ESPN Plus special that just came on uh, at the time of this recording. You may know them from watching them on ESPN2 the other night. You may know this organization as the defending CPL champs. It's the Savannah Bananas. And I have with me Jared Orton, the president of the Savannah Bananas, here to talk with us about taking customers and not only turning them to fans, but turning them into marketers. Check out his LinkedIn page. That's exactly what this guy is great at doing. Um, Jared, welcome to Good Morning Market. Thanks, man. This is awesome. I'm excited to do this and, and chat, with, uh, with, chat with you guys about this. It'll be cool. 100%. I, it, it, I knew that you would be... Uh, great at this kind of forum. I mean, you speak all the time, but actually firsthand early on, uh, I got to watch you do a presentation to a local uh, business networking event, Savannah by Local, of which I'm a member, and they had brought in the Bananas to Speak. You gave a great speech, uh, and I still remember the sequence. I don't remember everything, but you did a great job of telling me what you're going to tell me, then you tell me, then you tell me what you told me. So uh, it was about um, love your love your your customers, aka your fans. In order to love your customers, you need to love your team. And in order to love your team, you need to love yourself. Did I get it right? That's right. That's it. There you go. This guy's punchy. He's powerful. So I'm 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 ready to get into it. So elephant in the room, we got to address this first before we talk business. Let's talk pleasure. So mm -hmm. this past weekend, you know, I was ready to kick it back. And on ESPN2, now as, as if it surprised me because I, I follow y'all, but y'all played on ESPN2 Friday night. And y'all had the debut of your new ESPN special, Banana Land. It's available right now for streaming, or at least the initial episode is. Uh, it was crazy on Friday night. You had a rain delay. Uh, I think it was um, Spaceman. Uh, was it? What's his name? Bill Lee. Yep, Bill Lee. Yeah, he he had a, a health episode on the off on the yeah. side, and it was a crazy night. Um, but I mean, what was that whole? I guess it's a kind of a package question, but I'm going to ask you. Like, uh, that's how everybody saw y'all recently. What right. was it like, both making Banana Land and then that uh, that national televised game of Banana Ball on ESPN two? Yeah. You know, it, it all started like about a year ago or over a year ago. 
we had a little a feature come on, on Sports Center, and they were just kind of talking about banana ball and talking about bananas. Uh, and it was about six or seven minutes, and the people who did that little SC feature said there is way more here than just a little tidbit on who this team is and what they're doing right now. And so they went hard at it and said, you know, this this thing has got way more opportunity to tell a much larger story if we could follow this along. And so they wanted to come on board for the 2022 Banana Ball World Tour, and they did. So they followed us from January to uh, May, and there was a, an ESPN Plus game that was mixed in with that. And so they followed us for about five months and captured what was the 2022 Banana Ball World Tour. And then with the craziest production timeline of like all time, they packaged all of it up and put out episode one, which uh, like you said, came out on, on August 19th and mm -hmm. put it out to the world. And so there's four more episodes that come after that. Friday night was insane. We had been planning for that night for a long time. We had all of our people ready for it, social and website and merchandise and had the game. Obviously it rains for like an hour and a half. Um, you know, Bill Lee has his thing that, that, you know, scares everyone where he passes out on the bullpen then he goes to the emergency room and the game stops. And I mean, all chaos. And, um, but that's what you get when I think you, you join the Savannah bananas, you just get a little bit of chaos mixed in everywhere. Yep. And here's the thing is I almost liked that the national audience got to see that because I've, I've heard Jesse talk about it. I, th I think I've heard you speak about it is y'all don't let that stuff catch y'all by surprise. And that's one right. of the cool things about the bananas is it rains Grayson stadium yeah. and most baseball yeah. stadiums across the United States of America are, are outdoor. Like y'all have a, a game plan to entertain and to treat your fans to an experience specifically for rain, um, and obviously, uh, uh, from what I've heard, Bill Lee's okay. And so, um, yep. that's good to hear that he's well on the mend and y'all played another game the following night that obviously went a little smoother and yeah. fewer surprises, which I'm sure was nice. Yeah. Much, much fewer surprises, but yeah, I mean, we, we roll with the punches and, um, you met, you know, you mentioned the, the rain delay script and things like that. And that's something that, you know, after five, six years of, really you know seeing what turns into a a rain you know situation where fans you know, are still sitting there for 30 minutes 45 minutes an hour you know what mm -hmm. turned into an hour and a half plus on on friday night and so it's like well what are you going to do and that's that's the situation in, in any business right when plan a doesn't work what are you going to do do you have then does your team know how to how to jump in and how to execute the, the big difference on that night was like, now we have to juggle a broadcast and we, we have a live audience that's waiting at seven o'clock for us to come live. And so we're negotiating mm. with ESPN, the production company and the on-field stuff. And when's it going to stop? Mm. And are the players ready? Uh, and it ended up all working out. They put the, they put the, the documentary came on at seven and they ran through that. So people actually got to yep. see the documentary first and then they got to see the live game after that. And it actually ended up being pretty awesome in the end. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And and I think all of it to say, uh, like you said, the fact that y'all have a specific script for rain delays, the fact that um, the banana land, uh, the banana ball existing from the first place is that y'all decided that, hey, uh, it's entertainment first. So we're just going to come up with kind of like baseball reinvented to make it more entertaining because the whole 
business model. In fact, the, the organization that owns the Savannah Bananas is called Fans First Entertainment. And I really got kind of a deep dive within what I within the time frame from Jesse about you don't have customers, you have fans. And that's a big discussion um, within you know the ivory towers of marketing is how do you take customers who are transactional and turn them to fans? And then on top of that, how do you take those fans and help them become uh, marketers in, in which means that they're the street evangelists. Everybody covets the word of mouth, but then people just hope it, it magically happens. Y'all actually have a system that produces it. People pay, and I see Savannah Bananas merchandise all over the place because people just want to talk about the banana. So you have the PR, and then you've also got um, – the the uh, the merchandise so it all works together beautifully. But rather than me just telling everybody what everybody already knows about the Savannah Bananas, hence us wanting to have you on. Maybe you could just set the table for us. What does it mean to have fans rather than customers? Yeah. So you know, obviously, as a sports team, it's easy to define like, well, all sports yeah. teams have fans, right? Right. But you know, in in business as a whole, what does it mean for people to have fans? And I think that's where you start transcending. You know, fans are 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 with you. They they're coming back as as Chick Fil A, you know, always described the raving fan, the people who uh, you know come often, pay full price, and tell others about their experience. Mm -hmm. And so I think that telling others about their experience part is so key because you know if you think about us, we're just a baseball team, right? There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other baseball teams mm -hmm. out there uh mm -hmm. there's tons of people who sell chicken sandwiches there's tons of uh you know there's there's everyone everyone's got you know similar competition in their business but what is it that makes your experience remarkable and the things that you do for people is really where that comes from and so when we think about our fans we think about what are we doing for them every single day that would delight them and i and i think about that um you know constantly i've shared that with so many people because you know if you're thinking about a customer you're thinking well how do i sell something to them today like how do mm -hmm. i market to them today how do i send mm -hmm. them an ad or how do i get them in my funnel or whatever and all those things are important you know people have to buy things right for us to do mm -hmm. commerce but yeah. our chief aim is how do we wake up every single day and do something that delights our fans? And that might be video content. That might be a new piece of merchandise that gets released. That might be something we try out in a game or a new character that we hire or a new player or a new rule we put into the banana ball. Or, you know, it could be a variety of things, but mm -hmm. that's got to be the focus. And um, if your focus is just sales metrics, sales numbers, you know, you, you tie a value to every single person that hits your website, you know, you have to have all that. I get that you have to do that to run a business, but your, your thought in the beginning should be, what am I going to do today that delights my fans? And I think when you start going down that path, you're going to get to a point where uh, people are delighted and mm -hmm. they begin sharing those moments and those things that you did for them beyond just the transactional customer. And just a quick uh, follow up on that before I go to the next one is, do you feel like when businesses become too focused on the March and the, the kind of the numbers and the metrics and the dollars and the cents part of it that they make, they make the mistake of making the means the end where you actually, if you think of it and like, how can I, what can I give? How can I delight? Not to say that you don't also track the other things, but maybe Maybe we're making the means the end if we become too hyper-focused on the dollars and cents and values on conversions and a lot of the stuff that marketing geeks like myself can, can right. get lost in. 
Right. You know, one, the metric that we simply focused on is that lead indicator, which is, did we earn another fan today? Did we create another fan today? Because we know, you know, we're not, we're not uh, too naive. We know that a fan, when they enter our ecosystem, they, whether they watch a video or come to our website or come to our game or join our, join our waiting list, you know, there's, there's a variety of entry points in our ecosystem that you can insert yourself in as a fan. Now, you can argue some are, some are uh, you know, easier entry barriers of entry, some are more difficult barriers of entry, some require mm -hmm. a purchase, some don't require a purchase, uh, some require a, a long relationship you know, of coming to a game or whatever. But ultimately, we look for what is it going to take today to, to, to create one more fan? And we know once that fan enters our ecosystem, they're going to be more engaged, more engaged. More, if we do our job right, they're going to be right. more engaged, more engaged, more engaged. And those fans are the ones that are going to come to live events. They're going to buy merchandise. They're going to watch our videos. They're going to share our content out with other people. They're going to buy gifts. You know, but they're going to buy bananas merchandise for friends and family. They're going to talk about the experience that they had. Again, if we do our jobs right and deliver. And so mm -hmm. that's the lead metric of. How many fans did we create today? How many people are following us? How many people landed on our website? How many people came to this last game? On and on and on and on. And we know that ultimately that equals more dollars, more revenue, more opportunities for us. But it starts right. with, are we gaining fans? Okay. So I love the philosophy. Where did the Savannah Bananas fans first philosophy come from? You know, I think originally it came from a little bit of feeling like it just wasn't, uh, it, you know, the sporting and entertainment world just wasn't maybe as fans first as uh, people deserve it to be. You know, we, we come from sports and entertainment where, uh, you know, I enjoy going to sporting events or concerts or things like that. And you get to a point where you just realize that this there, there's got to be a better way than going to an event and you buy the tickets off of whatever ticket site, and then you get double charged basically for fees and taxes yeah. and you know convenience fees and surcharges and uh, you know venue fees and whatever else. Uh, and then you go to the event and you find out, oh crap, it's $25 to park anywhere near the venue, or mm -hmm. you get an Uber, but even you know Uber surcharges you because they were in an event. Um, and so you get to that point, and then you get inside the event, you're like, cool, let me get my let me get my food, let me get my drinks, and it's like, holy smokes, it's eight dollars for a bottle of water and fifteen yep. for chicken fingers and fries, and you know the beers are. I saw the the recent you know the beer posting um, at the PGA Championship or PGA Tour event, and it was you know nineteen dollars for Michelob Ultra, and it's like that just doesn't seem right. Yeah. And when you think about that experience, again, going back to our principles of, you know, creating a remarkable experience that other people will talk about in a positive way, no one leaves a sporting event excited about double charges on tickets, outrageous parking, $19. No one talks about them positively. And so that's not obviously our chief aim is to, to get people to leave these events and talk about things positively. And so not that we have to discount everything, but that we should provide immense value in the entertainment experience, charge a fair price, 
and then over deliver on the value that we provide for those people. And so we just fundamentally believe that's the best way to do business. That's the best way to um, do it with people in mind. You know, people mm -hmm. are at the center of everything. And so if you're going to do it with people in mind and the way that we would want to be treated and the way that we would want to be served, that's how we do it. Yep. And, and, and I think that what you're talking about, um, is when people, especially with entertainment-related products and experiences, um, I actually this past a couple episodes ago, I went and shared some Harvard Business Review-based um, research on uh, this kind of truism that everybody wants <clears throat> low effort, no surprise kind of routine type of product experiences or, or, or whatever experiences. But then they talked about these four different character uh, categories that some people want rather than low involvement, they might actually want a high involvement. Um, in terms of uh, consistency, they actually might want the un the non-consistent, the surprises. And so the, I actually mentioned y'all by name when I talked about the second type, which would be something that's low effort, but then there's, uh, there's always these surprises. So it's not the same thing over and over and over again, like a routine type of purchase, like going to get your mm -hmm. latte at your favorite coffee shop. Right. What you're talking about there is juxtaposing what y'all are seeing in the industry where it's more high effort than it should be. And the surprises, a lot of them aren't good surprises. There's all these different right. barriers and there's all these friction points and what should be a pleasurable joy ride surprise right. and fun experience. But a lot of the surprises with these other types of experiences, because they don't have the fans first philosophy that y'all do, right. creates that friction and creates the wrong kind of surprises that puts a bad taste in the customer's mouth. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, there was a study, I remember hearing the story of, uh, we went to a, a workshop and, and these people were describing this uh, Disney study that was done. And the, the concept psychologically was that, you know, in, in really most experiences, people remember the high points of an experience mm -hmm. and they remember the end point of an experience. And so mm -hmm. if you think about, um, they did the study based off of going to Disney World and, you know, if you think about the holistic Disney World experience, really, you're just walking around, waiting in line mm -hmm. and going home. Uh, mm -hmm. The actual, like, entertainment value you get from a time standpoint at Disney World is not an extended period of time. You know, a ride lasts a couple minutes. Uh, right. Maybe you get a character meet and greet for a few minutes. Uh, maybe you see some things, you know, you walk through an attraction for a few. But generally, like, you know, you wait for two hours in line or you uh, are walking from one attraction to the next or you're on the bus for 30 minutes. Like, you know, and so holistically, it's not, I know it sounds crazy, but holistically, it's not a great experience. Right. However, <laughs> however, there's so many high points that get yes. created. And when you see Mickey Mouse and when you see the parade, mm -hmm. And when you finally get on Space Mountain again, and when you see that they've introduced Toy Story Land, and you get on the Slinky Dog ride again because you remember watching uh, Toy Story as a kid, and then ultimately you get to the end mm -hmm. and fireworks, and you're with your family, and it matters, and it's meaningful, and you get your picture made, and you walk off, and you say, that was the greatest time on Earth. That's yep. the greatest place on Earth. And yeah. and so when you juck when you take all those things, you think we, we think about a Savannah Bananas game. Um, we're trying to implement as many high points as we possibly can, especially inside of a baseball game. And then that end point for us really matters because um, one of the things that we notice 
you know, early on in our careers was, you know, baseball games are long, slow and boring and not many people get to the end. Most people, the end point of a baseball game is walking out in the middle of it. And like, that's the end for them. How anticlimactic is that? And so when we introduced banana ball, we thought, okay, could we condense it to a two hour time limit and ensure that nearly every single fan gets that end moment of walking out the gate to fanfare and music and the players and, you know, someone greeting them and saying, thanks for coming on the way out. And when you can do that for your customers, and, and that's that's when you start turning them into fans, creating those high points and that amazing end point for them along the way. Now, actually, <clears throat> I want to go a little bit off the script here. So I want to let's let's transition. I want to ask you an off the script question, um, and then we'll talk about more of that methodology of turning fans. Uh, you talk about your fans first, customers rather or fans rather than customers. Then we'll talk a little bit about creating from those fans uh, marketers and being able to be able to actually manage that process. Yeah. So one question I had for you because you you brought it up is within when I think of just sports uh, industries, these major markets is all of these uh, sports leagues are constantly tweaking the rules of the game and the experience to try to increase their, their appeal. And I feel like a lot of like the national football league and, and major league baseball and a lot of the professional leagues, for example, they really are trying to market to everybody. So when y'all look at, you know, obviously you make trade-offs and y'all even mentioned like the purist uh, a couple of times on your first episode of banana land that like, you know, y'all, y'all hear the purists sometimes saying, Hey, it shouldn't, y'all shouldn't be doing this, this and that, you know, it's, it's the old ball game. Leave it like it is. Who is y'all's target market when you're thinking of who mm -hmm. is your ideal fan? Are y'all trying to cast as big a net and as big an umbrella as possible? Or are y'all specifically looking for the, the traditionalists or someone yeah. who traditionally wouldn't like baseball? That That is something I've always wondered about the Savannah Bananas. Yeah, so I think when, when we think about the the person who we want to come to our game, you know, it's someone who is who is identifying with with wanting to have fun. They're wanting to escape. They're wanting to, to you know, get something that they, they can't get anywhere else. And so, um, you know, one of the things that we've, we've thought about, especially as you look at our market, you know, if we tried to fight our fight in the traditional baseball space, Mm -hmm. That market is so saturated and oversaturated, and we just cannot at this time exist at the top of that food chain. You know, right. we cannot we cannot win the World Series at the present moment. Uh, we're not going to be in Major League Baseball at the present moment. We're not going to beat the New York Yankees, you know, or whatever. Um, and so we just can't fight in that world. It's just way out of our league. Why would we ever try to? We don't have, right. you know, billion dollar backers. We don't have a mega media deal. Um, you know, we don't have, we don't have any of that. And yeah. so, but what we can compete in is making baseball fun. 
And the reason we can compete in that is because no one else wants to compete in that world. And so we compete and make baseball fun. We've got zero competition out there. And so anyone who wants to identify with being able to have fun at a sporting event that's who we want to go after. And so it's kids, it's families, it's, you know, non-traditional baseball people, it's women. I mean, it's, it's all over the place, and we have a lot of fun doing that. What we've always been questioned on is, you know, so does that mean you are anti-baseball fans? And it's like, no, not really. Um, baseball fans can be fans of the Savannah Bananas, too. Like, that's great. We would love to have you. If you want to make baseball fun, come be a part of this. And yep. so you might be an Atlanta Braves fan. That's awesome. You mm -hmm. also might be a Savannah Bananas fan, and that's really cool too. No, that's perfect. And guys, for y'all listening, I, I want y'all to hear a couple of different things that he said that's key for all of us as business owners. He talked about, and this goes circle this back to what Jared said to us at the beginning of the episode in terms of uh, having fans rather than customers. You have to have some degree of novelty. You have to have mm -hmm. a niche, and you have to have something novel to decommoditize whatever is your 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 uh, your offering and make it the secret sauce. There has to be something. That's exactly right. Take the commodity, make it novel. If if Savannah Bananas were trying to just be another baseball team that was trying to score more runs than the other team, and that was what there was to it, they'd be lost in a, a sea of plethora of options. But they found a way to find a niche to create differentiation and position themselves in as leaders in a specific category. And so now they're blazing the trail. They are driving right. the market for yes. what it means to be a, an entertainment business, which happens to also be a sports team. So that's beautiful. I do um, want to transition to, you know, we've talked a little bit, a lot about the fan first mindset. What you then talk about, um, especially with business communities is you take these fans and they become marketers. And what I mainly mean by that is, and I think we both mean the same thing is there's the talk about evangelists. So when you have a, a fan who, who uh, is really highly engaged with your organization or your product, and they're also very satisfied, they tend to shout their praises and they are basically your street team who then mm -hmm. bring other people that they like to, Hey, you should come to a Savannah bananas game. They are the guys wearing your merch. They're the guys, you know, putting on Instagram or TikTok that they're at the bananas game. You know, that, those are your guys. How do y'all do that? I mean, like, what is the the strategy of how you take a fan and not just give them a great time, but then you create this uh, amazing loyalty to where they actually go sell you for you? Yeah. Jesse's always shared uh, an interesting question when we think about, like, when it comes to, like, our marketing and our, our content that we put out there. And, and one of the questions we've always asked of our team when they come with something is, you know, is this shareable? Like, would you, would someone be willing to put their social stamp of approval on this? And, you know, you think about it, like on social media, there's the, you know, there's the share button, which is, mm -hmm. you know, something, something that made it more tangible, but, you know, for forever and ever and ever and ever, when someone shares something with us, they tell us a story or they, they recommend their favorite restaurant or they you know, tell you how great their shoes were or whatever, mm -hmm. they are taking their name and their identity and placing a stamp of approval and saying, I think this made me cooler. Like, I know that sounds very shallow and naive, but like, here's the other example. Um, if, if, uh, you know, you, you're, 
you're utilizing uh, a piece of technology, like the the Android versus uh, Apple people, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, you text me and it's a blue a blue bubble or a green bubble. It's like, oh, like, you know, I think I identify with one of these green or blue bubbles and I'm staking my social, uh, you know, um, assets to mm -hmm. how cool I am by utilizing this service. The same thing goes with everything else that we do. Again, there's a reason why people take pictures of themselves, you know, eating Chick-fil-A and like bragging about it. They don't mm -hmm. take they don't take a picture of themselves, you know, eating, you know, McDonald's on the side of the road. Like there's a big difference in what brands do for people's social status. And so when you think about the Savannah bananas and making us, you know, making us shareable, we have to think are the things that we're doing if someone was to talk about this share this put it out there in the world are they willing to put their social stamp of approval on the savannah bananas and say you know what i got to be a part of this i was cooler and you can also be cool with me if you like the savannah bananas and so that's in any business any walk of life if you are a plumber and you want more people to talk about how great of a plumber you are, no one cares about whether you use PVC pipes or, you know, some other some other or brand or yeah. copper or like, oh, like you're loyal to like, you know, this type of fixture. No, they don't care any, anything about that. All that is commodities, like, like you just said. Mm -hmm. But if you come in and you provide an experience that no one else does. I'll, I'll give you an example of of um, not a, not a not a plumber, but I got our, our HVAC went out at our house three years ago, four years ago. No, gosh, five years ago. No, three years ago. I, I'm staying corrected. Um, when Kelsey was pregnant with uh, our our little girl, and she was about eight months pregnant, and um, I remember getting a call after we got everything set up. It was so hot. It was miserable. I remember getting a call from the uh, lady who was part of the team there. And she said, hey, we know you guys went through a lot. Um, we would love to pay for a, a traveling massage therapist to come to your house and give Kelsey a prenatal massage. And I thought, what? Like a, a, an HVAC company following up with you afterwards and saying that they want to provide your your family member a prenatal massage because of you know just a, an act of kindness and an act of listening you know how many people i refer that company to because they show up on time they care they have branded trucks when they walk in they put their little booties on they're always cleaning up after themselves they're always following up with you afterwards mm -hmm. and then they do these surprise and delight moments that they would never have to do I don't care what they charge. Mm -hmm. I'm calling them every single time. I'm locked into those people and I'll recommend them forever and ever and ever and ever because they won on the remarkable moment that no one else cares about, especially in the service industry. No one's thinking about those little customer moments that can go far and above just the transaction that takes place. Does it cost a little bit more? Yes, in the moment, it definitely costs a little bit more to do those things. But the long term pays off so much more because now they've got me as a fan. Yep. No, and and what I'm hearing in terms of how you create the marketers out of your fans is you create 
you create and consistently deliver great experiences, especially mm -hmm. when you're looking to plus and do something unique above and beyond unique that no one else is doing to differentiate and create novelty. And then you brand that experience um, yeah. consistently. So it's easily identifiable with an image, with the saying, with the place, yeah. whatever. Uh, you can even look at something like Times Square as being, you know, something like that. Actually, yeah. I actually saw someone who went to New York recently, and they always people who go to New York City they always will share pictures of themselves at Times Square. They're they're basically working for Visit New York City, but that's right. It's because there's this decades long buildup of even like a place in a city yeah. um, that's not a business. So if you can do that two things brand it consistently deliver great experiences consistently and then it sounds like the third piece is making it easy making it easy for people to share share their membership in the tribe be it they yeah. you have great merchandise that's easily accessible so they can wear the stuff you create great content that you're always thinking about how is how can this be shareable why would people want to share that and so then you give them reason and great shareable content um yep. that's what i'm gathering from this let me let me ask you then because i think I, i'm tracking with you could obviously track um, how many shares you're getting on different social media channels that y'all have mm -hmm. but how do you track the the experience that y'all are delivering to fans and their response to that experience. Yeah. You know, a, a little bit of it is, is, you know, some soft metrics. And then certainly there are things that we create that we say, you know, we're following this online. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember some of the things that we've done in the past, like, you know, one of our, one of our merchandise, uh, our, our, like a smaller piece of this, our merchandise plan and our merchandise uh, fan journey is pretty simplified. But, you know, it's, 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 they come on the website. It's a lot of fun stuff on the website. We went to all free shipping, no matter what you order, you're getting free shipping on the website. Um, you get a really fun notification in a video saying we're packaging your merch today. And then hopefully within 24 to 48 hours, that package is being put together, shipped. But it's not just a traditional package. We found yellow cardboard boxes. <laughs> we found yellow tissue paper. There's a free bananas, you know, three by three decal sticker in there. There's usually a koozie or a cookie or, you know, some other random trinket that gets placed in there. There's a letter from our staff that says, hey, we're so thankful for you buying. You know, on the reverse is their return instructions if they have to return something or, you know, didn't get the right size or whatever that comes to. Um, the the yellow box is stamped with a you know Savannah banana stamp on it that says delivered fresh on it. And there's mm -hmm. all these touch points along the way. We don't have to do any of that. Right. None of that is required. Absolutely none yep. of it's required. What's right. required is um, fulfill fulfill the order, put it in a box, ship it. And mm -hmm. that's what the that's what the customer expects. Now we have to do that. So here's here's the flip side of that. If we're late, if we don't, if we, if, if it takes us 10 days to deliver that package, they don't care if it's yellow. They don't care if, if it's got right. a sticker. If the size right. is wrong, they don't care. If uh, the address is wrong, they don't care. So they don't right. care about all any of the fluff if right. you miss the key customer requirements. You've got right. to nail those right. every step of the way, and yeah. then you plus then you create remarkable experiences. And so where we measure that is, number one, are we fulfilling all customer requirements at 100% volume, 100% accuracy with 100% of our people? If we do those three things, great. And then you start looking on social media. 
and you see people taking pictures of those yellow boxes mm -hmm. and they're sending in pictures of just got my shirt just got my hat can't believe they put a sticker in a koozie in there or a sticker in a cookie or you know can't believe they added this extra little trinket in there or uh, oh my gosh i've been waiting for this gift for a while look at this little letter that they put in there about you know me celebrating my birthday yep. and all these things start coming back to us yep. and you know what that is that's our fans becoming our marketers and it pays off tremendously Yep. Now, a lot of us financially minded people were just biting our teeth and, and tongue as we heard all the dollars and cents that were getting blown when you could just send it in a basic all cardboard That's box. Right. And again, no one does unboxing videos on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and, and hashtags and tags y'all in opening the box that has their t-shirt or hat in there. So no, yeah, poison, no. right? No one, no one takes a picture of a plain brown box with a white label on it saying, I'm so excited about this today. No one does, right? Exactly. Be different. Cool. Uh, that's them going bananas. So let me, let me wrap it home and, and let's uh, transition as we close. A couple questions I want to ask you about how business leaders can really bring home this philosophy for themselves so they can create fans and marketers of their own. So uh, how can an everyday business leader, like you said, y'all use the plumber example a lot. I, I love yep. that. But plumber example, someone who owns some kind of boutique, real estate uh, uh, business or agency, someone who owns a gas station, you know, maybe yep. they're listening to this. How can they take their first step to create their own fan marketing development uh, way of doing business? What's yep. the first step? Well, the, the first step that we've always taken a look at is, is what is the first interaction with your business? You know, what's the first mm. interaction with someone, whether they come on your website or they look at your social media handle for the first time, or maybe they pull in the parking lot. Maybe that's their first time that they, uh, they, they come on board. Maybe it's they get a business card or, you know, what is that first interaction with your business and what story mm -hmm. does that tell them about you? You know, if you go on our social media accounts, you're not going to see anything about buy tickets or buy merchandise or sell, 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 sell. You're going to see fun. You're When you land on our website, the first big thing, the first landing page is going to say, we make baseball fun. Now there's some buttons in there, some call to actions. There's tech, you know, you can click around and do those things. Mm -hmm. And when you're on, when on, when you're on our social media, yes, there are ways to land on our website and click on products and things like that. Um, when you get an email from us, it is rarely, if ever about, you know, check out our latest deal or check out this discount or selling yeah. this or sign up for this thing or, you know, join our, like usually it's promoting fun or it's just no email at all because people get enough emails in their inbox every single day. The last thing they want is another piece of crap from the Savannah Bananas. You know, we, we use these things very strategically to make sure that we are always providing fun. And so um, then you transition to our, our live events where we're really making it happen. And mm -hmm. 
we think about every step of the way. So when you pull into the parking lot and when you get out of the car, when you walk up to the plaza for the first time and all the game experience. And so, you know, if you're, uh, if you're an accountant, you know, what is that, what does that first interaction look like when someone lands on your page? Mm -hmm. Is it, is it what they expect? Just a bunch of stuffy people, you know, with their arms crossed saying like we do taxes, like, yeah, we get it. You do taxes, but like, what's going to make you different? What's going to make me feel like you care about me when not, when you go to that meeting for the first time, you know, when you walk in the door, are you making them feel like a million bucks? Like, I, do you call them by name and know who they are and remember that they, you know, emailed you on this day and told you this story? Uh, did you have a designated parking spot for them when they walked in? Uh, when they left, did you have the ability to follow up with them, not to sell them anything, but right. to write them a thank you note and you sent them a personalized gift and um, you were so appreciative of, of that experience that you got to have with them. And, you know, I, I think about when, when we bought our house for the first time uh, here in Savannah, you know, we bought our house, uh, like I said, about five years ago or six years ago now, and we still get active communication not in a salesmanship way, but from a tribal way from the real estate group that sold us that house. Mm. And it's invites to beach parties and taco night. And, you know, oh, we're hosting a class on investment, uh, you know, investment real estate, if you want to come join or, hey, we're doing a park cleanup today. And, you know, Ardsley Park, we're going to do a park cleanup today. We need 30 people to come or, hey, we're doing a book drive for, you know, you know, the elementary schools in our areas, we're going to, anyone, anyone wants to bring books by our office. They don't, they haven't tried to sell us a house in five years. That's not their yeah. goal. Right. Like, they're not texting me every single day saying, want to buy, want to sell. Here's my, you know, like mm -hmm. none of that. It's yeah. build a tribe, build a tribe, build a tribe. And I don't think about anyone else I would want to ever go with to buy or sell real estate because I'm a fan of them. Like, I just feel like I'm a part of their thing. And so, you know, the next time I'm in, I'm in the market or the next time someone from the Savannah Bananas is buying or selling a house, guess how many people have used them to buy and sell houses from the Savannah Bananas? Like, it just works. It absolutely mm -hmm. just works. So what I'm hearing and, and everybody, I think this is what we need to take away is first impressions. Obviously, we all know the power of the first of the first impression, but you have to have a mentality to consistently deliver that first impression. Well, that first impression right. could be them going to your social media page, website, first time they walk into your office, first time they make a purchase from you. The first impression counts. And the key what I'm hearing is from first impression is. Is they need to see that you're you're wanting to give them something. How are you right. providing them value rather than trying to right. get? And it's it's easy for me and a lot of us, and especially in the B two B space, it's all about lead funnels. About yep. you know, you get them here, then you then you draw them to this, then you advance to this, then you convert them to this. But that's all yep. the get get get. How can you give give give? And another thing that I was hearing, and I never really think about this. It's easy for us to overlook, and we think it's just for, for marketing nerds is brand personality. It's not just yeah. what you're showing them, it's how you're showing them. Y'all talk about fun, fun, fun. You're giving them fun. There's a brand personality that should saturate and should just just hit them in the face in the first impression, whether they're pulling up to the stadium for the first time, they're going to your uh, your TikTok page, or they're going to your website. 
It's, mm -hmm. it's not just what you're giving rather than getting with the first impression. It's the way and the aura and the energy that you bring on any of your properties and any of the first impression experiences. Am I tracking that's so right. far? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, uh, you don't, everyone doesn't have to be a wackadoodle baseball team with a crazy logo, yeah. um, but you've got to differentiate yourself in a way that doesn't just rely on, oh, I'm, I'm a little bit cheaper, or I, I got a little bit better product here, or, you know, I can discount you this, like all those things, you're just going to work your way to the bottom. Mm -hmm. You know, if you provide value over and over and over again, I read, a, I was, I was at a conference and, um, uh, they were telling a story about providing value in your website and blogs and things like that. And there was a, a real estate agent, uh, I forget where they were at. Uh, this real estate agent wrote an entire um, like 50 page manual on how to sell your house without a real estate agent. <laughs> Whoa. And so wow. think, about, think about it when people Google how to sell your house without a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. His blog comes up over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And of course, his information is on every single page. Mm -hmm. And he said people got to about page 12, realized this is ridiculous. I don't want to do this. I need a real estate agent. Right. Right. And you know, people ridiculed him in the beginning. They're like, you're, they're, you're taking away all of our leads. You know, this isn't how we do it. And he said, no, I want to I want to provide value. I want to show people that they're Here's the transparent way that we do business. Yes, yep. you could hire me. Yes, you could do it on your own. I'll tell you exactly how to do it on your own. However, you might find that you need me. And, yep. and that transparency providing value of like, hey, I'm here for you. I'm here for the fan. I'm here for the customer. I'm not trying to play charades and you know hide prices from you or hide things from you. Like, I genuinely want you to accomplish the thing that you're setting out to accomplish. No, it's 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 crazy. It's so counterintuitive. Uh, two examples that come to mind before a transition is uh, a local example and a national example is they're one of the most prominent names in public relations in the market in which you and I both live is Marjorie Young, and she literally wrote a book on how yeah. someone can do their own PR. Yeah, that's yeah. so counterintuitive. You should not do that. You're basically giving away the secret sauce. And she's like, no, well, I just know that. It'll end up, it'll come around back to me. And it's the same, it like some of the great YouTube personalities. There's a guy named Jeff Cavalier, Athlete X. He does Bukuzu's, just saturates with all kinds of information on which guys like me can create our own workout plans. He sells yeah. workout plans. But he yeah. gives you so much free information in five, seven, 15 minute YouTube videos for years. But guess what? Then I started buying his supplements. Then I started yeah. buying his apparel. Then I started buying his workout programs. Yeah. And eventually I came around because when you pay it for like that and you're always looking to give in your brand and your first impressions, it does come back to you. That's right. That's right. So even the Savannah Bananas with your fans first philosophy, even y'all have bad customer experiences. It may be your fault. It may not be your fault. In fact, the last time I taught, I saw you in, in person, you mentioned a bad uh, customer experience that really wasn't even your fault, but you run into these. So what is the key to winning back a customer a fan after a bad experience. Mm. I, I was uh, I was talking to someone one time, and we kind of were hashing out certain things. And uh, you know, I, I mentioned the phrase that the customer is not always right. They are they are absolutely not always right, but they <laughs> they are they are your customer. They still yep. are your customer, and that's important. They are a person, 
And um, we've we've I've heard this exercise done before, and we've adopted it from time to time. Where, you know, if if you're coming around an idea session, let's say about how to you know you're going to change a product or a policy or a new idea or whatever. If you put an empty chair in that room, and if if the if the fan, the customer was sitting in that room listening to that idea session come to life, would you say anything differently? Or would you try to hide something? Would you not tell them something? Would you be able to be absolutely transparent on this is why we're making that decision? We're making it for you. You agree with it. You're gonna love it. Do you have any input? Great. And when mm-hmm. you come to a when you come to an issue where oh crap we messed this thing up or maybe you didn't mess it up maybe they messed it up and mm-hmm. they got confused um, what we found is in those moments that we've just got to short term figure out what's the best solution to solve this for this person right now let's solve it for them right now it may not work for us. It absolutely may not. We might have to come out of pocket on something, or we may we may have to bend on uh, you know a, a, a way that we sell something or do something this way. But in the end, is it really worth fighting that battle for short term? You know, pride really, I guess, is all it is in that moment. Or can you just figure out how to build long term fans? And just get rid of get rid of the, the mindset that you've got to win every single little battle that comes along your way, and you got to be right, and you got to be the winner, and all these things. Um, sometimes you just got to chalk it up to the customer. The customer is not always right, but they still are your customers, and uh, you've got to appreciate that. And so, um, in any situation that we come up with it's the name of our company and we've we've lived by that we've just said what would be fans first you know um i see people people out here their their uh their windshields get busted by a baseball you know what not our fault right you know mm-hmm. a, a lawyer would say well I'll write up a contract that you're not you know you don't have any liability for you know foul balls you know come in and, and busting people's windshield it's like yeah but if you went to a game and your windshield got busted, you wouldn't yeah. feel you wouldn't feel good about like, oh yeah, I guess I, you yeah. know, obliged to a contract uh, right. that I signed, you know, when I bought this ticket. It's like, no, yeah. that's, that's well, even if yeah. I even if I didn't blame you, I'll be like, well, you know, I, I guess I might not want to come to another game because I might have my windshield broken. And so yeah. maybe it's not worth the trouble or the risk, you know? And and you're going to go home and people are going to ask you, how was the game last night? And you're going to say, oh, it was pretty fun, but my windshield got busted. And all of a sudden, that little negative starts kind of like, oh, that becomes the focus of the conversation. Yeah. Or you could say, yeah, I went to the game. Oh, my windshield got busted. But, you know, I talked to Kurt, and Kurt's my guy over the Savannah Bananas. He called Safe Flight. They got it fixed. No big deal. Took care of me. And, you know, for us, okay, that was 200 bucks, whatever. So, like, mm-hmm. we lost on that fan that night, right? Like, they mm-hmm. paid us 25 bucks to come to the game. We had to pay 250 to repair their windshield. But you know yep. what? In the, in the grand scheme of things, they're a fan for life. That's what we do for our fans. And so mm-hmm. um, those are little moments that, that we just continue to work on. And I know from a financial perspective, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. You're going to run out of money doing all that. Uh, we would just rather do that than potentially run out of fans. 
I feel like there's some old idiom that I'm trying to gather. Is it a penny, a penny wise, and a and a dollar dollar short or something? I don't know. There's some kind of old idiom <laughs> yeah. that I feel like is coming to mind here about being so short sighted, and you miss the the long term uh, yeah. look on things. So, final yeah. question for you: What's the number one thing that y'all look at when you're bringing on team members? So now we're talking mm-hmm. about hiring, and this is a big topic for everybody right now because. It's still, even though uh, hiring is cooling off national uh, nationally, you know a lot of small businesses are still looking to bring on people. We're so desperate for people, yeah. but y'all really are strategic, um, and y'all have a really unique uh, outlook. And not to go off on a tangent, but y'all have a really unique outlook on how you even set the table for the team members and how what you're looking to provide for them. But what are y'all looking for in terms of the context, the, the your teammates? for the fans was there yeah. when you'll, and you'll look at when bringing those folks on the right kind of folks to make sure that they're fans first yeah i mean i think you kind of nailed it right there in the question like you know where we've we've got to find people that are you know that they they've got to be the right fit on the bus and they've got to fill the right seat on the bus and mm-hmm. uh they they don't if they're not on the right bus then it doesn't really matter what their skill set is or, you know, their ability or their experience or whatever, um, they're going to be miserable. We're going to be miserable and it doesn't make them a bad person. It's just that whatever culture they're used to, it's just going to be a, a very shocking thing when they come into the Savannah bananas. And so uh, from the get go, we, we spend a lot of time up front figuring out, are you going to fit in to us? And also are we going to fit into you? Because mm-hmm. both of those are very important. I think a lot of times when you're hiring, it's like, oh, I got to make sure they're good for me. And it's like, right. okay, that's that's about 50% of it. You know, right. so As if, if they're a computer to be programmed, right? As if they're mounted yeah. completely and have no goals and aspirations of their own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, well, you're, you've just failed because you got 50% <laughs> right. Um, right. Like we're looking for a hundred percent match. We're not looking for fifty percent match. And so, are you going to be a great fit for them? And so, for us, that's like uh, lifestyle and scheduling. And you got to work late some nights. And you know, we, we've got a kind of a seasonality to our business. And are you okay being on stage a lot more? Like not on a physical stage, although you might get to a physical stage. But like mm-hmm. we perform in front of four hundred thousand people. You know, five hundred thousand people, a million people, whatever. Are you okay? talking to people and having fun and you know we're not we don't really wear suits and ties so are you going to be okay you know doing costumes from you know from time to time and like are you going to be okay with all that and are we going to be okay for you and Mm -hmm. so culture conversations are massive we want to hear about you know how you think about others and how you think about fans and customers and we want to hear stories on you know what you've done in the past to build fans and build customers and things like that and so that is a big piece of it Yep. We trust that uh, based on your references and your experience and things like that, that we can figure out if you can do the, if you can do the job or not. Uh, you know, we're, we're pretty confident that if you applied uh, and we check out who you are and we talk through it, we're going to figure out if you can do the job or not. But if you mm-hmm. don't fit into the culture, it really doesn't matter. And so it's culture first, then it's skills, um, and then it's compensation and is is this going to fit into your lifestyle and you know what are you expecting and what are we potentially offering and making sure all that works out um and then we have a 90 day benchmark we call it our 30 60 90 here's what success looks like in 30 days here's what success looks like in 60 days 
here's what success looks like in 90 days and we got to check in all you know during those periods and make sure that you're actually winning and if you're not why is that an us thing do we not set the right parameters do we not set the right expectations or um oh crap you're actually not right for this job and so that's a that's not good we need to work ourselves you know out of that um so that's what it looks like for us it's slow um but we'd rather do it slow than higher fat you know i think there's the the old mantra of uh uh higher slow fire fast type thing yep. and and the opposite is uh, higher fast and fire slow which is the worst <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Hey, you know, everybody that, hey, uh, you're the whole experience fans first. It only happens if you're right. They got, they got the right team. You got to take care of your team and they That's take it. care of your fans. But that said, you know, um, I'm sure most people listening, if they're thinking of what a successful hire looks like, they're thinking about someone that would spend at least three to five years with them. Ideally, yeah. you know, forever and ever, but at least three to five years. Hey, if you were going to go date someone and thinking about three to five years, you'd be thinking about that two way street and culture fit and thinking about what they want and what, you know, and so it's that's what I'm hearing. Like you need to think, turn on that e-harmony hat the next time you're going to put <laughs> up a, uh, a job listing because you're not just purchasing yeah. an asset you're 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 engaging in a relationship with a human in which you'll be spending you know 40 plus right. hours with them every every week probably so That's um, right. br brilliant i'm all for it thank you so much for yeah. that insight and, and that in-depth feedback on how y'all become so successful and, and the great thing i i know about the bananas they're they're always looking to learn they they don't uh, just rest on their laurels and think that they've reached the mountaintop. These guys are just getting going. You are just seeing the right. beginning. So with that being said, people want to follow the next phase of the Savannah Bananas if they want to keep track with with Jared. Um, what y'all got going on right now? What can folks uh, keep an eye out for regarding uh, the Savannah Bananas? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, continue to check out Banana Ball coming up here. We've got more ESPN stuff coming up. And then, you know, October, hopefully sometime this fall, we will announce where we're going in 2023, which cities we're going to for the Banana Ball World Tour. Awesome. Uh, you know, we went to five or six cities in 2022. Now we're mm -hmm. going to a lot more in 2023. So hopefully coming to a city near you. And that's going to be awesome. I got to ask you an insider question. Um, uh, could we potentially be hearing any developments within the next number of months about potentially playing in a professional baseball stadium? Yeah, I think we're I think we're still a year or so out of that. Okay. Uh, we've definitely had questions. We've definitely had calls. There is definitely interest. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we we played at a spring training facility last year. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we're going to be able to play at some more spring training facilities here in the future, which has made some great connections with Major League Baseball teams. Um, when we are able to, our, our goal, so like, for example, we played in Kansas City this past year, sold out two nights. Hopefully we can go sell three nights in the future. Um, if we can start building a base of fans in these larger markets, mm -hmm. then that's going to lead us to the potential of like, all right, you know, we've already done 20,000 fans in this big market. That's not too far away from selling out a 30, 35,000 seat stadium. And so that's kind of that, that trajectory.
Yep, I'm I'm just thinking it's it's more of a win. It's not an if for me. So that is Jared Orton, president of the Savannah Bananas. You can check them out pretty much everywhere. But right now they have their ESPN Plus special, Banana Land. Uh, Jared, thank you so much for your time and your insights. Wish you all the best. My pleasure. Glad to do it. Yes, sir. To, to digest in a good way. Jared was really bringing the heat uh, with that episode, and there's so many thoughts. I mean, to to really put a bow on that, to package it up, to to have my parting thoughts. I think that the main thing is it, it really comes down to philosophy. I don't think there's this little tactic or a trick. The Savannah Bananas really are looking to be different. They're looking to do the minimum that you would expect. Like, okay, if you go to a Savannah Bananas game, you ex- expect certain basic things. If you buy merchandise from the Savannah Bananas, you're expecting certain basic things. You need to be very consistent at delivering the basics. But then on top of that, they look to plus. They look to add a secret sauce. They look to add something special. And we can all do that. Don't just do the bare minimum. You're not looking for a passing grade here. The reason that they have A-plus success is because they put in A-plus effort and they want to deliver A-plus experiences. We have to plus, okay? So... You're good, but to go from good to great, you have to do what is expected and then something else in a unique, unorthodox way. And you need to be thinking long-term. You need to be putting yourself in the customer's shoes. If it means having the customer's empty seat in there while you're doing your meeting, if it means that before every time you post something on social, you ask yourself, would our fans want to share this? If it means you need to consistently call your customers or clients fans, that's what you got to do. And this is a challenge to me. Trust me. I, you know, uh, I'm preaching to the choir here or, you know, I've got the glass house, so to speak. There's a lot of, in, uh, of improvement that Soul Insights can make on delivering these great experiences over and over and over and over. It's going to look different for different businesses. And once again, a, a Jared understands perfectly well that, you know, if you're a plumber or an accountant, it works a little bit differently in practice than if you're a you know, uh, 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 basically a, a baseball-inspired circus, which is what the Savannah Bananas have become. But the principles still remain the same. You don't need to be an entertainment business to uh, enact this. You just need to be a business that really is looking to have a long, long, long-term impact and is constantly looking to build uh, delight through unique, unorthodox, but high, high-value inter- inter- entertainment experiences. That can be done by any of us. So, that was great, uh, really exciting. Don't forget to send in your cues for next week's episode. Uh, once again, you can DM me, you can tag me, comment on social, you can email me. Send in questions that you would like to have us uh, address during the next episode. And speaking of next episode, we're going to be talking with Vel Savannah in upcoming new premium work cafe. We're going to be talking with Mo about the present and future of office work. Of obviously, 
working has uh, looked a lot different since the COVID era began, and Vel Savannah is acutely aware of that and is building solutions to cater to much more nuanced, uh, diverse needs of the the office worker, computer worker, so to speak. So exciting to spe- uh, excited to speak with Vel ahead of their debut of a new location as they're expanding across the southeast but in the meantime we've got some work to do so remember as y'all go into this week in order to lead your market you must first hear and know your market